What does an evangelist do? He puts his boots on the ground and shares the gospel. And that's what my next guest is all about. So today I am with Boots on the Ground Guy T. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And he is a chaplain of University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. And um, his specialty is he makes bets with his students that they can beat him. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so I, we have a ministry where we reach out to uh, students on campus. And uh, my church, uh, Washington Chapel Baptist Church here in Pine Bluff, uh, opens up the, allows me to open up the gym. And we invite uh, a lot of freshmen and a lot of people from the city and um, to come to, to the gym. And uh, it's maybe 40, 50 guys in there. And uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll let them play basketball and uh, let them play pickup. And uh, at the end, I'll challenge the students uh, that uh, if, if, they could, if they can beat me, I'll cash up them five bucks. You know, college students are broke. They, they, they want a little bit of money to wash clothes or do anything with. And I, I said, but if, if I win, I, I have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so, uh, man, they'll, they'll challenge me. So, and I played college basketball. I was a, I was a, a, a ball player uh, at Henderson State University in Arkadelphia. So I got some college experience, and they just think I'm kind of an old guy. And I am an old guy, but it's fun to, it's fun to challenge them. So, so talk about um, what you were like before you knew Jesus. So, uh, so I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, during the times of the gangs, real, really bad. And it was a show called Game Banging in Little Rock, and I was kind of caught up in that era. And so we grew up. I grew up. I'm, I'm I am a son of a, a a Nigerian. His name is Lawrence Uzigwe, and my mom uh, is uh, from United States. So I, my running joke is I'm African American. So, uh, <laughs> so what I so I, I grew up in a family that was really broken. Um, my dad struggled a lot with, uh, you know, different, uh, addictions and things of that nature. My mom was really young. And, um, and so it, it was, it was a, a broken family. I had an older brother and two younger sisters and, uh, grew right up, right up in the trailer park there. And, uh, and so I, I would get involved in all types of things. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I was, I was getting involved in, uh, breaking into people's houses. Um, I was, um, I was messing with girls all the time. I was getting in trouble in school. Uh, a couple of my friends and I got together and we burnt down our elementary school, broke in there and, bro and burnt it down. Wow. And so, uh, so yeah, you, you can imagine, um, you know, some of the things I was getting into. I remember even breaking into a church one time and, and, and just ransacking and stealing some of their, their goods. So, uh, so yeah, I, I was a, a pretty lost kid. And so what happened to you after that? How did you find so Jesus? A, yeah. So, uh, so I, I tell you, it was a, uh, my mom pulled all of my brothers and sisters on the couch one day and my mom was, was lost. Um, uh, and she, she basically said, uh, she said, I remember her saying, God, if you're real and you're out there, can you find some way to get to our, my kids, find some way to, to, to reach them? I, I've rejected you all my life. And, and, and it has to be something more than this because she was in a very, we were in a very abusive relationship, very neglectful relationship. Um, so, and so it wasn't about, I don't know what the timeline was, but not too far after that, a church plant moved into my neighborhood. And, um, and the guy that started the church was John Hurd. He was a white guy. And his wife's name was Betty Hurd. And I was riding my bike down the neighborhood. Um, and I still to this day don't, don't understand why they would choose to come down to a neighborhood with black kids that didn't have, you know, that was just, I mean, why would they even do that? 
Um, but they started the church. They started the church plant. And uh, we were the first people they invited. I was riding my bike while they were building a building. And I didn't even know what the church was. As a matter of fact, I never even had any contact with any white people in my life. Uh, this, this was the first white person <laughs> in my life that ever even had a conversation with me. And so, so I ran home as quick as I could. And I, and I, and I, I told my family, I said, I told my mom, I said, mom, and man, it's a, it's a thing called a church down there. And this, this white lady invited us to the church. And so my mom's like, really? You know, uh, so we got, we got ready that Sunday with our night clothes. We didn't have any new clothes. And so we, we pulled into the parking lot that first Sunday and we sat in the car. All of a sudden, this, she was almost like an angel. She walks down the steps. Beautiful white lady. Walks down the steps. This is, I call her my grand, grandmother to this day. And she, my mom rolls down the window and she said, hey, we, we want to come next Sunday. And she said, why? Why would you want to come next Sunday? And my mom said, well, we don't have any, any clothes. We don't have any uh, church clothes. I'm going to try to get them some this week. And she said, no, don't worry. And she, she convinced my mom that we, she, it was okay. And we sat in our first Sunday with our night clothes on, with the clothes we had the previous day. Uh, we call it my night clothes. But, and, we, and it was amazing. The, the, feel, I, 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 the feeling of it was just unbelievable. I've never been in that type of presence of people that – that just just didn't think we were in the way, and um and then that next week that white lady and that white man John Heard and Betty Heard I called my grandpa and grandmother they went out and purchased us our first clothes that we a new clothes that we probably ever had, and uh, the only new clothes I'd ever had was Pampers, so that was how I was introduced to Jesus. And in about two two years after we started going, they kept on talking about this man named Jesus. And finally, I said, if Jesus is the reason why you guys are like you guys are, I want your same Jesus. And so John Heard, which I call my grandpa, led me to Christ back in the Sunday school class. I was the only kid in that Sunday school class. He led, and, uh, and he led me to Christ, put a, a red crayon in my hand and said, this, this is how Jesus took the, the, the nails for you. And, man, I was immediately changed right there. I even started reaching, started trying to tell people about <laughs> Jesus in my neighborhood, all my friends and everything. I was so intrigued by Jesus. Didn't even know. I, I didn't even realize. Like, I didn't know anything about him. I just knew he was. He saved me, and he was going to be with me, like he told me. And uh, and I was, I was, I started reaching people immediately for him. And I was bringing him to my grandpa, my grandpa. And I said, Hey, I, I, I'll take him as far as I can go, and I'll bring him to him, and he'll, he'll lead him the rest of the way. So, so that's kind of how I came to know Jesus. Did he teach you about the gospel? Did, did, was, is that how you are uh, the evangelist that you are? Yeah, it was birth right there. Like the passion to see other people come into the kingdom. I, I said, man, everybody needs to know about this. If this is true, everybody needs to know about this. So that would, it, it, it was birth right there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so now you get, you share the gospel with so many people. Mm -hmm. You go out. That's why we call you boots on the ground guy. <laughs> boots on the ground T. That's what we're going to call you. Um, and you actually interview people. Right. I have a video of you interviewing someone on your Facebook page that you met in a gym. Right. How do you do that? Yeah. Um, I always pray at the beginning of the day. Not always, but a lot of times I pray at the, end of the beginning of the day. I say, God, I know it's somebody that needs to know who you are. If you can make me aware, God, help me not to be so caught up in my schedule that it, it keeps somebody from hearing the gospel. And so whether I go work out or I go, you know, 
to the bank. I'm always aware of losses. And, I, and this is going to sound crazy. I think everybody is lost and need Jesus. I don't care what they tell me until they, they're innocent until proven guilty. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so, so I'm always aware of losses around me uh, because I really believe it's true. This message is true and it's the only hope we have. And so, so I just, so anywhere I go, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking to, to, to engage somebody with the gospel. And I always kind of, I tell you how I do it. Um, first of all, I pray and I ask God to open the doors and I'm always terrified when I do it. I'm always terrified because I know rejection is going to happen. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, so I'll, I'll go up to somebody and I'll say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a pastor in town and I, I'm, I'm conducting interviews. I'm trying to get a spiritual temperature of Pine Bluff. And I want to ask you four questions. Could you, and, uh, and I'll, and I'll pay you for an interview. So I said, and they say, well, what's the four questions? I said, well, I'm gonna ask you, tell me a little bit about your past and what happened to you growing up. Give me a little bit about that. Tell me what you're currently doing now in your life, school teacher, your student or whatever. Tell me what you're doing now. Then the third is I asked them, what do they, what do they want to see themselves in 10 to 15 years? And then the last question is, is what, what do you believe happens to a person when they die? What happens after life after death? And, uh, and I say, no matter what your view is, I just want to hear it. And I'll, I'll let them talk about themselves. Um, and so, but the last question is my question. What it, what it, you know, and so, and, and they'll, they'll either agree or disagree to it. And I normally get, if I talk to 10 people, ask them for interviews, I'll probably be, i probably get rejections. Uh, maybe if, you, if I talk to 10 people, I, I may get four out of those 10 that want to actually go on camera. Um, and, and if they don't want to go on camera, I say, Hey, well, Hey, can I at least uh, do this off camera? So I, I'll, I always have a chance to, most of the time I have a chance to engage them if they don't want to come on camera. So that's how I kind of started and engage them. So it starts with prayer. And then I, I try to formulate a plan with those four questions to try to engage people. And they're normally pretty receptive. So you interview people that share their story. Do you do that and show it through Facebook? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so, uh, so one of the reasons why I do it is because I want to encourage people that sharing the gospel uh, is not as hard as it seems, even though it, it, uh, it's, it's difficult. And some people may say I have a gift at it. I don't, I don't say I have a gift. I, I, I say that maybe I'm just being obedient. Um, because if I say I have a gift, it gives people a way out to say, well, just gifted people do that. But the Bible says everybody should do the work of evangelists. I think that's where that's why so many so many Christians that are depressed, uh, they're lonely, they feel empty, simply because if God has created you, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but if God created you to be an eagle and you're walking around like a chicken, how are you going to feel? Well, it's some of my depressed, like the days I feel the most depressed is the days I, I feel like, man, I, I'm not doing what I've been created to do. And, if, and, and the days I feel really down, I'll just go share the gospel with, 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 with something, with somebody. And man, it seems like God just, he, he just gives me this influx of his presence and a joy because I'm living from what God has made me to live for. Because I can't, you, so you, you're not going to be able to live for any other reason and, and be happy and joyful if you're not doing what God has called you to do. And so, so I, I try to make the gospel really simple and I break it down into four, uh, five sections. I call it the saint method. All right, the same method. S is I start the conversation by any kind of commonality, whether that be a gift card or working out or 
I, I try to find some kind of commonality. The same start. I it's a start the conversation. A is I ask questions. Uh, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Uh, I believe when you spend a lot of time, I, I try to spend about seventy percent of my time in the first three. So it's start the conversation. A is ask questions, and then is uh is I as I initiate the switch. I want to turn it from a normal conversation to a spiritual conversation, and I normally do that by. Uh, you know, what do you think happens to a person when they die? Why would God let you in if you stood in judgment today? On a scale from zero to 100 percent, what's your highest percent chance of getting into heaven? And it's normally turned to, to a spiritual conversation after that. So I spend about 70 percent of my time just at letting them talk, seeing their views. And then in as I nail with the law. That sounds kind of harsh, but uh, Jesus used this same method when he's talking to the rich young ruler. Um, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God alone. He goes through the commandments. So in uh, and, and, and Romans 3 and 20 basically says, uh, through, without the works of the law, through, through the works of the law, no man will be made right with God. But through the knowledge of the law, man become aware of their sin. So if you don't talk about sin, the Holy Spirit has no space to get into the heart. So now with the law is I, I, I go through the commandments when I'm talking to people. How many lies have you told in your lifetime? And, um, I call it the blames test. Uh, B stands for blasphemy. L stands for lying. A stands for adultery. M stands for murder. E stands for exalt, which is idolatry. And S stands for steal. I call it the blames test. And, and, and that will show people their need. It's like a mirror to the soul. People know what they look like on the outside, but people just don't know what they look like on the inside until they actually line themselves up with the commandments. I, I almost like I stand them next to Jesus and they see that they're, that they can't, they can't fare up. And this is when I begin to use them. Uh, sometimes I'll use the bungee cord method to try to uh, get them to see uh, an even greater need. The bungee cord method is, is uh, I use the four R's because uh, we know that the world is broken because of our sin. And men try to escape their brokenness by using these four R's. And I call it uh, re religion. They try to be a good person relationships they try to use other people to fill the void uh riches they try to pursue material possessions to fill the void and runs they use alcohol drugs um uh video games a large amount of video games they cut themselves some people even commit suicide to try to numb the pain to escape the pain and once i you once i get to the point where I'm, I'm i'm nailing with the law showing people that they can't get there from here then i tease i turn to the cross and so I'll use some type of illustration to, 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 to tell them how to be made right with God because of our brokenness. Now T talks about a relationship with Jesus. If you, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, uh, like I was talking to some young man yesterday, at least investigate the claims of who he is uh, simply because, you know, we're dealing with a, a, a man that changed the course of history. And, uh, um, and you heard about the, the, uh, either this man that was a real live human being was a liar. Uh, either he was a, uh, he was crazy, a lunatic, or he was really who he said he was. And so, uh, and so if, if you, in, if you are thinking about, uh, investigating who Jesus is, I, I would say, look at the world around you. Uh, COVID has shown it has blew, it has blown up a lot of our comfort zones and so, uh, and, and 150,000 people die every single 24 hours. 150,000 people die every single 24 hours. 
And so you got to ask yourself, what's the best explanation uh, for what happens to a person when they die? There's so many different views. And, and uh, like I was talking to a young man yesterday, well, how do I know Jesus is the, is the way? Well, if you think about it, every other faith or every other way to, to be reconciled in the next life is to say, uh, is to, 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 to work at it, to do the best you can. It's like a, a man that gets up in a plane. I got this from Ray Comfort. It's like a man that gets up in a plane 10,000 feet in the air. And I say, hey, you have to jump. Uh, but I won't, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you some wise, uh, I'm going to give you some wise advice. I want you to, to flap your arms and think you're a bird and flap them arms as hard as you can and see if you can save yourself. That's just like every other religion or every other way to get to heaven. It'll wear you out. And in the end, you won't make it because we can't meet the standard. We can't be perfect. Only perfect people get into heaven. And so this is the, this is the way out. Jesus says, I've already done it. I've already paid the price. It's like a man that gets up in the plane 10,000 feet in the air. And I say, hey, I don't want to give you any, any advice. I want to give you some good news. The good news is here's the parachute. Put the parachute on. The parachute takes you eight miles into the ground instead of 120 miles to the ground without the parachute. Jesus is the parachute. But you must give up your way. You must give up your way of saving yourself. And you must put your faith in the only one that can save us. In any other way, it's going to stress you out. Any other way is placing the responsibility on you to save yourself. It's going to stress you out. But Jesus made a way for us to be right. And the only thing we have to do is take the free gift he's offering us. Turn away from what we think can save us. Turn away from the things that got you in the situation you're in. Right? Seeing it causes, eventually causes the brokenness and the emptiness and the depression. He's the only way to make it right. He's the only way uh, to, 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 to bridge the gap that we can't bridge, that we try to work for. So Jesus says, I've done it. Every other way says, I got to try to do it myself. And that, that is, that's oppressive. But Jesus is the superhero, like I tell my kids. He's the, only, the ultimate superhero. So if you think about wanting to follow Jesus, at least best, dating for a while. I dated my wife for about three months to determine if I wanted to enter a lifelong commitment, committed relationship. And so here's the deal. Date, dating for a while. Investigate the claims of who he is. And then enter the, and, and if you will find out if you do date him and you investigate the claims, you're going to fall in love with him. But here's what I say. Don't wait too long. Don't stay in the dating phase too long. I, 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 let me say this last thing. Let's just say you're on the fence. You say, man, I, I don't know if I, I want to follow Jesus. I need to fix myself up before I give my heart to Jesus. I always give this illustration to people if they're thinking about it, they're yellow lights. I always say, hey, if it, let's just say you were shot in your side and you started to bleed. You were bleeding out. And all of a sudden I say, hey, you need to get to the hospital or you're going to bleed to death. And you say something silly like, well, let me see if I can stop the bleeding myself and then I'll go to the hospital. I'll go to the doctor. How does that sound? That sounds foolish because you may, you may bleed out before you get to the doctor. Well, you go to the doctor to stop the bleeding. Well, this is, this is, this is what Jesus calls us to do. Go to Jesus. He'll stop the addictions. He'll stop the, 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 the depression. He'll stop all of the things that got you in the situation you're in. Don't wait to get yourself well to go to Jesus. Jesus, he, he comes for sick people. He comes for people that know that they're not well. We need a savior. We are, we're not all of us are messed up. We all uh, are looking for hope, and he's the only hope that's sufficient.